Machute Mate recognizes the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and any indigenous elders of other communities who may be listening today. We stand in solidarity in their struggle towards the colonization and land back. I guess after um, I mean again we wouldn't be us if it wasn't like unplanned hiatuses right or hiatuses is that a word that the plural hiatuses hiatus just it is now bright. it is now it is now I'm a linguist so I, I've decided it's a word um, longer than usual because you know we're famous for these little breaks but like shit has been wild I think the three of us have um, had very monumental things take place in our lives that um, have led us to this point where we just haven't been able to get our shit together um and i mean in the best way possible it's not like we're ignoring the project or whatever it's just schedules have been able to line up we're just going through things we're you know self-care right we're always talking about self-care and uh oh god make, Fuck, i hate make, that make, phrase now yeah yeah i know but like you know for the for the normies we'll, we'll call it self-care right even though it's All on right. the list of um banned phrases and words that you have um but you know we're here now um it's just going to be me and t so i'm leroy I'm coming from Australia. Um, uh, just chilling down here. And T coming up from coming in from the um, the evil empire over there. What's going on, man? That's right. That's right. The the evil empire. You know, I I'm going to say. You know, I I Langley, Virginia. You know, Langley's in Virginia. So I'm. You know, I just want to say. I'm. I'm not saying it was definitely them that have prevented us from recording. You know, the last little bit. But, you know, I, I'm just saying they are in Virginia, too. You know, it wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. And even even today, we were literally just talking about this. Like we've we got to shit together. It goes, OK, we're going to record today at this time and blah, blah, blah. We were here at that time and we still couldn't, like, connect to actually link this up. And <laughs> see, even even at the very last minute, they're still they're still doing their fucking um, right. their shit to try to keep us down. Um, but today's going to be more of a free form, sort of um, our after dark sort of format. So, I mean, there's a thousand things we could have been talking about or whatever. But I think um, just to get our shit back together, get the ball rolling, get everyone re- like reintroduced and I guess what we do and who we are and stuff. We're just going to shoot the shit. Dudes rock. Me and T. Anyway, T, what's good, man? How, where, where do you, you want to take this, man? Um, well, you know, honestly, I, I just personal life, you know, it's, it's been a, you know, long, it's been a long, rough summer, really just around the world right now. You know, we were talking a little bit about that before we started recording that it's just, you know, I, again, I am in the United States and it's been just like a lot of just one shit show after the another here, you know, it's just, it's another, you know, another day in, in the United States, another school shooting, another, this, another, that, You know, I think the last time we recorded was actually before Roe v. Wade, or maybe it was around that time. Um, Yeah, yeah, when Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, There was good news in some respects on that front uh, in Kansas. I don't know if you saw this, Leroy, being down there. Yeah, yeah, uh, the uh, the people of Kansas repudiated a proposed uh, bill that would remove uh, protections for abortion from their constitution, I believe. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a great example of how. Yeah. Um, sorry to interrupt and jump here, but I saw that, but what I found interesting as well is that I think I read something that yesterday or the day before the Indiana legislature basically completely scrapped it. Like they, they put in things that, um, basically banned, banned abortion. And what's interesting is they put it, basically they put a referendum to the people in Kansas and the people decided that they wanted to protect you know, abortion rights. But in Indiana, they didn't put it to the people. They just decided, you know, old white dudes in fucking Indianapolis decided to do it on their own and look, look what happened. You know what I mean? So like what people were saying is like, ab- abortion's popular. You know what I mean? But we're, we're allowing like these old decrepit fucking people to make these decisions. You know what I mean? In you know, because democracy. Well, you know, it gives, really gives lie to this idea that you get, you know, from very smug uh, assholes in, um, places like uh, in like the more liberal parts of the country um, that kind of look down their noses at, uh, you know, some Midwestern states that they're all ignorant, that they're all, 
you know, hopelessly reactionary. There's no chance. The fact of the matter is, is abortion rights is pop. They're popular, right? You know, even people who may have like in their personal life, a moral objection to abortion still support its legality because they know, you know, the cost of criminalization. They know what that means, you know, and, and this is something I've been, you know, I've tried to explain to people in my personal life that, you know, there's a lot of fear and a lot of hopelessness right now. But the fact of the matter is, is that this is the, you know, the reactionaries in America are going for broke and they're going for broke because yeah. they know that they are, they are an increasingly dwindling minority. Now they're a minority that is like a caged animal. You know, they're, they're snapping at everyone and they got a lot of money behind them. This is, this is yeah. true. But, but the fact of the matter is they are still a dwindling minority. I mean, this is why the right wing right now is, you know, in their intellectual journals are debating the value of democracy, right? This is why instead, uh, this is why in Indiana, why they went with the state legislature. Why did they go with the state legislature? Because one of the focal points of reactionary power in the United States is not local government. It's not. It's state governments. State yeah. governments are, are reactionary institutions almost uniformly, even in like the so-called liberal states. Uh, they're the state legislatures in places like California or or, up, or further up north. Like you would you would expect them, especially if you listen to right wing media, you'd expect them to be doing all this, you know, great radical legislation. They don't. Oftentimes they don't. Oftentimes they're in league with the same wealthy interests in, in each of these states as right wingers are. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that in Kansas, you have a state that is, you know, historically a conservative state or not historically, but that's another story. Um, yeah. At least in the last few decades is a is a cons very right wing state, very conservative, at least their government is and their mm. upper class. Is, right. But when mm. you put it to the people, what happens? They say no. They say, fuck you. Right. Yeah. You know, the right wing always makes this claim that they're in favor of sort of 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 a principle of subsidiarity, right, where, you know, m power should be devolved to the local level as much as possible. But much like everything the right wing says, it's a fucking lie, right? They don't actually care about local government because when local governments do pass laws protecting certain rights or, you know, in, you know, famously in the Trump years, the sanctuary cities coming into conflict mm -hmm with uh, state governments that happened a lot in Texas, that happened a lot in the South, where you had these kind of liberal cities or these liberal leaning cities passing resolutions saying that they were sanctuary cities and state governments simply removing their power or, you know, threatening to do so. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, And using like Florida as an example as that as well, like I'm from Kissimmee, that's overwhelmingly Puerto Rican, very Caribbean, very West Indian. Do you think right. DeSantis and his crew want the local, like... A demographically like representative government controlling Osceola County? No. And we always joke around about Miami being like the center of reaction. But if you look at Miami Dade County, Miami Dade County is a Democrat state. It's a blue county. Right. But again, the the centers of reaction, the, the people, the the right wing and the fascist aren't going to allow those people to actually control things. So even though it votes blue presidentially, those reactionary groups are always going to be in power in those places. You know what I mean? Which is why um if we, if we take it back, it's, it's, it's like people say that um, the Democrats, like liberals, like liberals are all about rules, whereas like reactionaries and like the Republicans are about power. You know what I mean? So which is right. why like it always clutch their pearls or well, pearls like, oh, we can't be doing this because, you know, you know, the quorum or whatever. Whereas the Republicans, like the like right wingers, they don't have the numbers, but they have the power because they don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Um, which is why right. I think I brought it up. I think I brought it up like ages ago, which is why right-wingers in the Republican Party have been playing the long game. You know what I mean? This is why, like, the Bushes in, like, the 70s sent, or in the 80s sent Jeb down to Miami as a, you know, real estate, you know, you know, just get his feet wet in the <laughs> business world or whatever. He was making fucking ties with the White House down in fucking Miami. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and what happened? He became governor of Florida. Like, he freaking passed all these, you know, right-wing, you know, neoliberal things. He slashed, like, education funding and all this shit, even though, and then on the University of Florida went on to name, like, some education school after whatever anyway and and the first coup of our lifetimes the first yeah. coup of our lifetimes occurred in 2000 that was i mean Where? if you florida baby fucking and that's florida. the thing like not just that here's what's fucked up about that the same fucking guys who were involved in the first coup in 2000 were involved in the last attempted self-coup yeah. roger fucking stone roger fucking stone roger fucking, roger fucking stone 
engineered the the infamous Brooks Brothers riot when all those like yeah. dipshit like fucking like uh like country club reject motherfuckers like started yeah. storming the yeah. uh the fucking uh where they were co- counting the votes yeah. uh, in Florida. Um, Roger Stone was involved in that. Roger Stone was involved in the most recent uh, attempted uh, the the auto golpe. He he has been a for you. He was a very close associate of uh, Donald Trump. Um, he is a link between mainstream Republicans and their street elements. Yeah, he's the Forrest Gump of um, right wing fuckery in the United States. Always there, dude. You're not. That is not even a joke, man. The, that I'm, is one thousand. I'm being hundred percent like. <laughs> He's the Forrest Gump of like right wing fuckery in the U.S. He was around he for really Nixon. Is. He was around for the two thousand. He's he's always he's always there. He always has his fingers in all the pies. He's all yeah. He's always slithering around. But you know, again, Kansas should give people some. You know, should give them at least pause. You know, I'm I'm I maybe I'm over telling people have hope or that or quoting uh, Mary Amakaba uh, her her famous line. Uh, uh, you know, hope is a discipline. I, I'm I'm over yeah. that. You know, it's you know. Whether or not you believe you should practice the virtue or discipline of hope is irrelevant to me now. You, what it should do is give you pause and let you realize yeah. that we are the majority, okay? We are, you know? Yeah. And, it, and, and they're going for broke because they know they're weak. Because, yeah. you know, what are reactionaries? They really are paper tigers, you know? They, that's a real statement. You know, they, they seem strong. They seem scary on paper. But if you've ever seen, there's there's few experiences better than seeing like riot police melt in retreat because they don't have the numbers to control a crowd. The the feeling of fucking energy and power and invincibility that you will get yeah. when you see that happen in front of you, it's it's unreal. And and you know, what are cops if not just the the it's they're the the shock troops of reaction. Yeah, it, it is no different. It is no different with with polit- with right wing politicians either. They will melt. They will. You know, it's it can be done. It happened in Kansas, and it's. I think you know, you know, it's the same old thing. And it, what beats these people is again, it's organization. Obviously, yeah. you know, it's. Yeah. I'm not a genius for saying this. You know, we all know that. Yeah, hundred percent. And like even beyond like the politicians and stuff, like even like the right-wing thought leaders, like it's all based on being fucking babies. It's all based on fears. Like the fucking Matt yes. Walsh's of the world, the biggest fucking babies in the fucking, his, his latest thing was, um, I forget who, another right-wing grifter, fucking thought leader, whatever, <laughs> tweeted something out saying like, oh guys, you know, what was your, the, the biggest inconvenience for you or like the worst thing for you when like your wife gave birth? Mash Matt Walsh comes out and saying like how there's no um there's no consideration for like the dads to sleep like you try to nap on the couch and you're you're disrupted by like the actual delivery like yo dog like honestly and these are the guys that claim they're gonna overthrow the government you know what I mean these are the guys who claim these you know the same people who you know spent the last couple years or the last like 10 years saying that, oh, the younger generations are so fucking weak, you know, they're snowflakes, this, that, and the other, spent the last two years fucking crying their eyes out yeah. because they had to wear a fucking mask. Yeah. You're telling me these are the guys that are going to overthrow the government? Get the fuck out of here. The moment they can't get their treats, the moment they can't go to fucking Applebee's, the moment that their internet goes Keep out, they're going to lose their fucking minds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that... They're, and yet these guys like to claim that they're big fucking tough guys. Yeah. All right. I, you know, I joke about this a lot, but you know, in the utopia, I volunteer to still work in a restaurant. So long as I get to have every terrible mat from Iglesias to Walsh in my kitchen, I get to be their manager. I want to yeah. see them get little cuts and little boo-boos. I want to see them cry when they, you know, when they don't get a fucking break, I want to see them actually work for once in their fucking lives. These 100%. people are fucking babies. Like I cannot, I cannot. It's it's it boggles the mind. I've 100%. known, yeah. I've known sixteen year olds that have bigger balls than Matt Walsh. You know what I mean? Who are tougher? Like this is it's ridiculous. Like and he's 100%. the big fucking tough guy. Like a hundred percent, like you and I have both worked shitty retail jobs or shitty like restaurant yes. jobs. Like, like, and I think I 
tweeted or messaged something snarky to you, like the fact that of having to park like on the other side of the fucking shopping center, whatever the location <laughs> is, walking the ten minutes to get just to get to fucking work, it will be a fucking nightmare. They'll just fucking melt. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. I do. I but, do um, want to. I would like to see the look on their faces if I were to tell them, you know. Oh, you know, just because this restaurant closed at 8 p.m., that means we now have two hours in which to deep clean the entire spot. Like, I guarantee you, like some people I bet honestly believe that once like like closing time is up, everybody gets to leave. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, I honestly believe there's a fair number of people who truly believe that, which is amazing. Yeah, 100 percent And like I see all the time, because part of where I work, it's like a lounge cafe type of thing. So because we right. have to deep clean everything in the back, like we will close Ugh. it like half an hour before we actually close like the, the shop. Oh, but you're still open. I'm like, but our lounge is closed. Oh, but like the doors are still open. I'm like, we need to get out. We need to fucking get out of here. Like this place is disgusting. We need to make everything. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Yo, um, speaking speaking of, of your spot, tell us, look, tell us a little bit about Australia. What's going on in um, the Florida of the world? The Florida world. I don't even know, man. Um, but going back to like the, the abortion conversation we had, um, I haven't actually read it, um, but my wife told me this morning that apparently ACT, which is um, Australian Capital Territories of Canberra, the capital of the country, passed this resolution or a law or something that's going to make abortion free for whoever wants wow. it. Apparently, apparently, we'll see. Um, we'll see what actually happens. Um, because again, Australia is that place that like, it's that joke that they have this like um, switch behind them and they kind of turn it to see how American they can be. So if Americans are cheering, <laughs> they'll go that way. If they're, they're booing, they'll go the other way. You know what I mean? So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I mean, we have the new government with the labor government. We have the Greens are yeah. really capitulating to labor and stuff like that because um, labor was trying to pass a, uh, this climate law that um, is something, but it's very, very weak. And the Greens were holding a very strong position, saying, "No, this is we're not going to we're not going to vote with you because this is bullshit. Like this is too weak. This is too blah blah blah. This isn't strong enough. You know, this is not what we're after." And blah 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 blah. But when the going got tough, they capitulated and um, are voting with Labor. So um, it's a very watered down. Like I don't know the, the specifics of it, but I think originally the Greens wanted a very a much stronger um, uh, like what's it called a um a cap on like carbon emissions they want a, a much sooner like um date on reaching like like um carbon neutral whatever like the phrases yeah. um right yeah. capitulated to labor and labor's labor's getting their way um and labor doing what labor does they're bashing the greens and low-key by bashing the greens they're giving the liberal party basically everything they they want you know what i mean so so Point of clarification, of course. Do the so the Greens are they in coalition with Labor? Is this a red green government right now, or is it just or is it like a like a what is it they call it in your in parliamentary system? Like they're like some confidence and supply. I don't know. I like yeah, where they it's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's it's some shit like that because Labor technically has a majority, but they'll still need right. Greens to have that outright like you know we're gonna fucking pass this. You know what I mean? Um, okay. So. Which, which, which is interesting because the last couple of governments were a minority government for Labour and um, the Liberals, so that all these other coalitions that needed to be made. Whereas Labour doesn't need to make that coalition with the Greens, but it's one of those things that like the majority is is only big enough to a certain point where they still need that certain you know Green support. Um, but yeah, it's fucking yeah, and it's, and especially because like. Labor, correct me if I'm wrong, the Labor Party in Australia, much like uh, other Labor Parties in like Commonwealth nations, has like kind of a, you know, a very an interesting relationship with labor, with organized labor, with labor unions. And there are some reactionary elements in Australian labor unions. Yes, especially when it comes to climate, similar to yeah. like some of the feeling you get with the some unions in the United States through some of the larger, older, more established uh, trades unions. We'll have this yeah. summer. It's getting better, though. I don't want to I don't want to like kind of like rag on that point too much, at least in the United States context. It, that's been getting better. Um, but yeah. uh, but it is true. Yeah. That they, and so I, I can imagine that maybe there would be maybe some defectors from the Labor Party unless it was, I guess, uh, 
uh, a vote that was, uh, you know, whipped or whatever. I know party discipline is a lot stronger in, in parliamentary systems yeah. than it is in this fucking shit show here in the U.S. where uh, Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin can basically decide the fate of the entire earth if they have a bad day or whatever. But I, I guess I'm assuming that in order to get any kind of climate legislation in Australia, uh, the like labor leadership would want maybe some greens to possibly forestall any potential labor defectors or people who just like are grumpy or whatever. Am I wrong? Yeah. Am I getting that right? Yeah, to, yeah, to a certain point, And one thing we need to understand as well is that um, Australia has a long history of having strong, like, like a labor culture, like, um, yeah. Labor unions, like forever, like labor has been very strong in Australia, like historically. But in saying that, a lot of the labor unions now are very, very bureaucratic. And we know bureaucratic labor tends to be quite reactionary. You know what I mean? Um, mm. So like you have like the, one of the biggest unions in Australia is the C CFMEU. So that's the big like um, tradesmen unions, so like the builders, concreters, carpenters. For, uh, building trades. So They're building trades. Exactly. One of the biggest like in Australia, the leadership is quite reactionary is quite anti-communist right like mm. um one of the biggest one of the biggest um riots i'm going to call it when during the whole covid thing was when um they were trying to pass a um law or pass a, a, a whatever to, to make people working on building sites wear like ppe and make sure they're vaccinated whatever and a lot of the rank and file like lost their, lost their fucking shit they went to the headquarters they were smashing it in and blah 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 and the head at the oh, time shit. um yeah, he's of Croatian descent. So a lot of like the um, Croatian community that's part of that union tends to have some a little bit of outsized power. And um, one of the rank and file members who was Croatian descent um, got a megaphone and was outside during the, you know, the protest, whatever, just saying, oh, you know, this is, you know, communist in position. You know, we, you know, we beat the communists during the war and we're not going to let them blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no. can you, can you, can you rewind? Can you rewind? Can you, um, if you beat the communists, what side were you on? Like. You know what I mean? Um, Ooh, but it's, yeah. But it's, uh, it's, that uh, but it's that shit. So labor has to like kowtow to like these these unions. And this is sort of the, the thing you get as well. Um, and one thing we need to realize as well is a big part of the Australian economy is is energy, is um, coal production, is mining, is all this shit. So, like, so by having a strong climate, like any strong climate action is going to take away from those business dollars. And that's just... Money talks, man. Like we could talk about Australia having all these social democratic reforms and like policies in place, Medicare for all, and like you know, um, free tertiary education, or at least like initially free tertiary education, blah blah blah. But that's all subsidized by like mining and like coal and like Chinese capital. You know what I mean? You know because you know China our biggest enemy. You know what I mean? Um, so it's right. it's 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 a land of contradiction, man. So like it's it's hard to parse out succinctly like the contradictions that exist in like Australia. You know what I mean? Because like, and again, we talked about it as well. Like the whole, like anti-Chinese propaganda has been fucking ratcheting it up for the last like five years. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's awful. But if China was like, all right, bet want to take all our business investments, all our capital out, Australia's going to collapse. Like what we saw is, that during the during the pandemic when we have like you know our strict lockdowns like Melbourne at least we had some of the strictest lockdowns in the world, but the government basically said that, um, and by by the way education is one of Australia's biggest exports as well, um, if that makes sense. So Interesting. Most of the universities are full of you know international students, but when we're locking right. down, the government essentially said, oh if you can if you can um, uh, and they obviously they get like certain government supports for blah blah blah, um. The government essentially said like oh if you can't support yourself then you have to go back home so the students are like okay we'll go back home so that took away like millions and millions of dollars in tuition money right so all these oh, professors were getting laid no. off they called it the um neoliberalization the privatization of like um professorships because obviously like they had to lay off all these professors that um they had to hire like basically teachers at like a like a casual um uh a, a casual position so basically they'll come in and teach whatever so there was no continue continuity so like the education system was like the university system was actually collapsing at one point now that the country's reopening like apparently like that's growing again but we saw like an instant collapse in like one of australia's biggest like economic like engines you know 
people forget, you know, how important universities are um, in terms of being like large employers and, and as well as financiers and owners, owners of land in the United States. I mean, honestly, the city I live in is, I mean, it exists because of the University of Virginia. That's, I mean, that is, that is the central, it is the largest employer. It is the central reason why this, why Charlottesville is even a fucking city. Um, I think that, you know, people, uh, you look at like Richmond. So the capital of my state, Virginia, uh, VCU, um, is, is a huge landowner in the city. They own so many properties. They are major drivers of, of what they euphemistically call economic development, what other people would call, um, exploitation, um, uh, the spearhead of gentrification, you know, people like to say, you know, in the, I tend to avoid the, the gentrification argument and a lot of like interest city politics if, or, or debates, if only because I just, I don't know enough. Um, I, yeah. I will admit like NIMBY, NIMBY stuff, all nonsense to me. Um, but I, one thing I do know is that gentrification and the, the remaking of neighborhoods and the expulsion of poor people does not happen because, um, like artists move into a neighborhood, it's because developers want to transform these. Uh, they don't want to improve the neighborhoods for the benefit of the existing reno- uh, residents. They want to renovate. They want to bring developers in. They want capital. They want financing. They want loans, right? You can't do that with uh, residents there who have rent control or residents with strong uh, tenants unions. You can't do that, right? You can't do that with yeah. historical properties where people feel like they have a stake in the neighborhood. People will defend to the death places they feel they have a sense of ownership over, places where you know their parents lived, their grandparents lived. You know, they will fight yeah. to the death to protect that. That cannot, in, in capital's mind, that cannot be allowed. You know, and, and again, you know, we're not. I'm not saying anything that people don't already already understand, but something that people don't under, people don't think about often is how important universities are to that process they they're a huge part in many cities and towns across the united states um in terms of kind of driving you know the the remaking uh, of america's cities um i I question though with uh you mentioned something earlier um off air about uh real wages in australia um you mind uh going talking a little bit about that real quick yeah, like again, I'm not a fucking economist. I don't know all the details, but um, I was looking at a chart, <laughs> reading this thing briefly, that um basically shows that right now real wages in Australia are what they were in 2008 with like the level of inflation, right? Um, and what's interesting is that labor was going to pass a um, what they termed a minimum wage hike, um, that was going to come in lower than what the inflation rate was. Um, but then with the push of the grains and the push of whatever, they actually got it in line. But, and like, it's funny because I like to call it all this, you know, we raised a minimum wage. It's not a minimum wage rate. It's basically preventing a further wage cut. You know what I mean? Because bringing in line with the increased cost of living isn't raising minimum wage. It's trying to neutralize the, you know, the, the, the negative effects. Right. Um, but apparently it's getting to the point where by this time next December, or not this time, but December next year, it'll be at a the lowest rate it's been in the last like twenty five years or some shit like that. Um, everything's getting more expensive. Way to say the same. And it's funny. Um, one of my favorite, you know, because you know you working in retail, like you have these go to like ha 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 jokes you have with customers, like just the fucking. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Part of the hustle. Um, baby. Like, part of the hustle is part of the game, right? Um, recently we had a price increase with all our products, right? So you always get the people oh. at the regulars, oh, you know, oh, you know, prices have gone up. I'm like, yeah, all the prices have gone up, but, you know, my wages have stayed the same. Oh, ha, 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 that thing. Um, <laughs> oh, in reality, God. Like, yeah, but in reality, and the laugh goes, ha, 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 yeah, you know, I'll make a phone call for you. Maybe they'll give you a raise. I'm like, ha, ha, yeah, you do that. It's all fucking <laughs> um, God, again, laughing, but I'm actually crying. It's that relation, you know, you know what the relationship with customers, they'll say the, bo- like, it's it's a fucking game that we're never going to fucking talk ever again. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's the reality. Like all the price, everything is going up, but my wage is saying the fucking same. You know what I mean? Um, right. So like, what's, 
what are we to do? People who have families, people who have bills, people who have, you know what I mean? Like seeing, seeing these companies ostensibly making more money. And then like, you know what I mean? I was in a a manager's uh, like conference call like last week and like our retail, uh, uh, retail operations manager. Like, so the head guy in like the big retail department of our company was talking about like, we're going to have like a $2 million profitability this year and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, cool. All right. Are we going to see some of that fucking cheddar? You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and like, you know how it is. And it was, and it was, and it was given to us in the veneer of like, yeah, you know, you you know what I see, what I see in front of me is a bunch of people who are the most capable people I've ever worked with and like working with superstars and blah, blah, blah. Shut the fuck up, man. If you believe that, give me more fucking money, man. Give me more fucking money. You know, it's so funny to me that, Anytime the business is going well, bosses are always like, we're doing such a great job. We're all together. It's so good. We're, we're advancing. We're increasing money. Da, 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 da. But the moment shit fucks up, why did you do this? Why is yeah. this your fault? Oh, labor cost is too high. It's you, 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 you know, failures, you know, you, we, we, working people, can never have like it's always success is shared with management right but every failure is blamed on the working people on on the employees right because management cannot fail right management can only be failed this is how it works everywhere this cops are like that man landlords are like that they're all like this like uh, any authority figure look at the democrat party in the united states they can never fail right they can only be failed 100 percent and like you ever been around like upper management and like they don't understand why like the people like the, the like the lowly workers in the store don't want to have anything to do with them like i can't tell you the number of times it goes oh, i was in there and like everyone seemed kind of blah 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 and i was trying to do this and like i don't know maybe i said something and in my head i'm like they don't fucking like you man like what the fuck do you think this is and i can't tell you like and i've been i've been in charge of you know like drafting all like schedules and rosters and doing wages yeah. and blah 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 and all that stuff and like and having to organize people who call in sick or whatever. And like someone calls me like, Hey, Leroy, I'm sick. I can't come to work. No worries, bro. We'll f- do you, we'll figure it out. It's, it is what it is. You know what I mean? If we have to struggle today, we struggle today, but take care of yourself and being asked by upper management. Oh, like, why do they call in sick? I'm like, I don't fucking know. I don't care. They couldn't come to work. We're going to sort it out. Like, you know, like I had to justify to them why I allowed someone who has, and again, labor is strong here. So people have quite, you know, decent entitlements. So like sick, like, People have sick leave. People have a lot of annual leave, and like people have the right to claim that. And it's funny when people claim that, I get asked like, "Oh, oh like how, how come? How come they did this and blah blah blah?" And goes because it's a fucking like, it's it's their right as a fucking worker. Like you know what I mean? Like I don't. They don't have to justify to me why they're sick, and I don't have to justify to you why they're sick. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I, it's, it's really it's, amazing because I've, I've encountered planet, that a lot. Man. I've encountered that too, though. Like where. Like I've had upper managers who try to be everyone's like they try to be a friend to someone, right? Or like the I've actually encountered the my previous job. I actually encountered the owners of the company I worked for uh, on a relatively a more frequent basis than you than the average, I'd think. Um, yeah. And they always acted like you were friends or something. But no one, you're not gonna. <laughs> You're not going to be your real self with someone who who has your livelihood in their hands, and that's something that they for they for some strange reason they don't either either they don't understand that or they you know there's like this cognitive dissonance where they pretend not to understand that, and like I totally relate to like because I've also been in a, in management positions where I it was in control of scheduling and all that stuff like that, and like same deal, man. If someone like you know. My uh, poor partner could probably attest to the hours I was I'd work because I'd have people call out or anything like that. I just covered it, man. Like I don't, yeah. I I didn't, and and it's just that's a if you become a, a manager like a shit manager is what I call it. Yeah. Like where really what you have is a title. You don't really have like the yeah. money or anything. Like you have a title where you're a shit manager. You know one of the most important principles of any kind of leadership, in my opinion, and I think this is true of of whatever environment you may be in, if you're in a position where you're kind of like in charge of people or you're trying to herd the cats, you have to, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard and you have to kind of treat yourself worse 
than you do yeah. those who are quote unquote under you, right? Because yeah. they're not going to respect you if you yeah. don't like put in extra effort and, and, you know, not just a job basis, but also like in, uh, you know, I've also been in leadership in political, in a political organization before that shall not be named. Um, <laughs> you know, you always have to treat yourself with like, yeah. You have to be harder on yourself. No, now I'm not advising other people do this. Maybe I know for me personally, that's always been my like, that's my system on. Uh, maybe it's a rationalization. I'm justifying myself the existence of a hierarchy. I don't know. No, I'm the same way, man. I think we're just born different. But like, <laughs> that's why. Like, <laughs> no, but that's why. Like, if we need to do like a like a rubbish run. Like, we need to take out like the the trash. I'll fucking do it. If we need a deep clean, like a freeze or whatever, I'll do it. You, you serve customers. You do what you need to do. I'll fucking do this shit because you don't get paid enough to do this bullshit job. Yeah. That's why I tell people, yeah, if, you no. customer, if you get a customer arc up or whatever and give you shit, don't deal with it. Find me, find one of the other managers because you do not get paid enough to deal. I don't get paid enough, but I get paid more than you do <laughs> to deal with this shit. You know what I mean? Um, no, yeah. But, no, um, I feel you, dog. Yeah, and like, it's, and Going into like what I like to call like the wokeification of like of like oh no hierarchy, you know what I mean? How they always try to do these like mindfulness little like um group calls and stuff like that, right? And like they'll schedule it in the middle of the fucking day on the busiest period, and like you can't attend because you have work to do, and like you have like all the upper management goes, oh Leroy, how come you weren't there? And it's like because we have fucking work to do, like we have shit we need to get done because I don't. I, I don't sit down in a cushy fucking office like on the other side of town. You know what I mean? Like I actually have to work on the fu fucking front lines. And if I don't get this done, like you're going to give me shit and you're not giving me enough hours to get it done. You're not giving me enough hours because apparently we're not making enough money. We're not making enough money because we don't have enough hours, which means I need to fucking do the extra work like you just said, T, to make sure it gets done. So I don't have fucking time to sit like an hour and a half listening to some dickhead talk about like, grifting the entire company about like mindfulness and like you know like you know what i mean like i, I think know, honestly i don't know what i would hate more dealing with like angry customers or dealing with my boss trying to like bring me to a state of enlightenment i don't know what one. sounds worse honestly maybe that, that worse. yeah maybe deal <laughs> maybe the idea of like god oh my gosh because i i remember the stupid fucking calls I tell you, upper management, especially in retail and sales, there's like something that happens to your brain where you become like a cult leader type. You know, there's this yeah. kind of like, there's this weird personality quirk, this trait. If you've ever been around like a lot of salespeople, like successful quote unquote salesmen or, you know, successful upper management, they have this kind of demented uh, sort of tone of voice. It's this, uh, it, it's, it's a it's somehow both fake and yeah. only about the business it's like yes we will do success success today yeah. um we are gonna get yeah. together and we're gonna work as a team we're gonna get together as a team yeah. and by working together as a team we will achieve our goals for this quarter now my friends if you can do it i can do it and if i can do it we all can do yeah. it and together we will achieve our yeah. and it's just platitude after platitude successful exactly. bro it's because, it because my, i see all these superstars in front of me like yes god yes your heroes your superstars you're gonna get yeah. it let's get this money man you have a private jet dog shut the fuck up <laughs> i'm about i'm gonna fucking siphon your private jet gas man yeah. fuck off <laughs> fuck all the way off yeah bro yeah. And it's funny, like, and again, it's hard because like I'm in management. So like every single day is a battle for me not to, you know, you know, that meme that like, oh, talk about politics after one drink is like the picture of like Lenin, like preaching, like every single <laughs> yeah. day is that battle. It's like, like anytime oh, we have an upper management person from upper management come visit us, they, they come, they're nice enough, whatever, but they're spewing bullshit. It takes every ounce of strength in my body when they leave not to be like, all right, like this is what capital is. This is what, like what, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because. No, I know I exactly know. what you mean. Anyway. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, no, I, I feel that. I really do. God, man, I'm having horrible flashbacks to now. I'm no longer. No, nah, I was going to say, speaking of which, like you were talking about, you were going to talk about something about like alienation and resonance and shit. 
Yeah, yeah, actually, this is, it's good in a way that we just spent the last, like, 20 minutes on a hate session yeah. on, on work, which we do relatively frequently on this show, actually, where we just yeah. bitch about our jobs. Um, but, you know, I, I, I've been, you know, the last little while, I've been reading a lot about, uh, you know, I'm always reading about Buen Vivir, that concept, and related concepts yeah related ideas and philosophies related to that. And and one thing that is always intrigued me is a concept called resonance, right? It's a, uh, a very interesting sociologist, a German sociologist. I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, I think. Hartmut Rosa, I think is, I, I can't fucking pronounce German. Um, but yeah, it's a sociologist who basically he, he has written extensively on this idea of resonance um, that he posits as a kind of as the sort of the opposition to alienation, you know, um, alienation. I mean, if you spend any time in left wing, left wing circles, if you've read any left wing literature, if you read the early Marx, uh, especially the economic and philosophic manuscripts of, uh, what is it? 1848 maybe, or 1845, yeah. 1844. I don't fucking know the economic and philosophic manuscripts. Uh, as a matter of fact, that was the first Marxist literature I ever read. And it very much changed my life. Um, it's in that where he talks a lot about alienation and in some of his other works like the Holy family and German ideology, what is alienation? Well, it's the sense of separation that a worker gets from their life. Right. And we experience alienation in a lot of different ways. Um, You know, any sense that, you know, if you come, if you are a queer kid and you come from a very deeply conservative uh, like a Christian fundamentalist family, you're going to experience a separateness, a separate, a feeling of separation, not just emotionally, but personally, sometimes, you know, sadly it becomes materially. These kids are driven out of their homes, right? right. So alienation is that sense of separateness, um, in, in economic, you know, in working life, when a worker cannot control, doesn't control what they do, their labor, right? When they don't, when a worker doesn't decide what they get to do with their life, they start, they experience a separation between them and their life, right? Them and their working life. If you, you know, dear listeners, if you've ever had the experience of clocking off and then you get to breathe again, a feeling that a literal, actual physical and mental feeling that you are a different person once you clocked in or off, that's alienation. That's alienation right there. Because your yeah. life does not begin until you get you've clocked off, but wait a second, you've done you've spent all this effort throughout your whole working day putting work into something that you cannot control. So it creates this sort of feeling of dissonance. This this you almost become at war with yourself. You know yeah. that's that is alienation, right? No, I was just gonna say like it's it's interesting that like I remember years ago when I first moved to Australia, like I didn't have a car, so I used public transportation exclusively because it's it's by American standards, at least by Central Florida standards, it's pretty good here. You know what I mean? And I remember right. thinking about the difference I felt once I got a car. So like I didn't have that sense of peace that my workday was done until when I was taking public transportation until I got off the train, walked home, and entered my front door. But when I got a car. Right. It was when I got into my car. So even like we've attached that to even like private property. You know what I mean? I'm now consuming yeah. my private property. So now I'm I'm whole. I'm or I'm more whole than I would have like, you know what I mean? It's it's fascinating. It's it's incredible. And you know, it's interesting. In those early writings from Marx, he does talk about how where eventually what happens to a working person is that the only time they feel like a human being is when they're eating or drinking or shitting or fucking or doing like basic human function, like your your base human animal functions is the only time you start to feel alive. Again, if you've ever had the feeling, my friends where you've clocked off from work and you get home and the only energy you have is to sit and like watch TV or just fucking like just even just sit on the couch and just kind of stare blankly off for like 20 or 30 minutes. That's the feeling that's alienation, you know, you're, and, and we've all experienced this, you know, we all have this and alienation can occur in a lot of places, you know, not just working life, you know, although that is, you know, one of the most, you know, visceral experiences of alienation people can have the example i said before of like families you know um 
where, you know, say one person is queer or one person is uh, different in some way. They, they've, you know, unfortunately, uh, it happens the other way where, you know, people who get fucking possessed by the QAnon demon or who get possessed by, you know, insane conspiracy theories suddenly find themselves separated, alienated from their families, right? So, you know, that's a kind of brief, you know, talk about alienation. You know, it's at its root, alienation is the experience both subjectively and objectively of separation, right? Whether from self, from others, from the world, from what we do, from nature, from our own, from our own minds, our own souls, whatever it is, right? A sense of separation, right? So what then would resonance be? Well, if resonance is what the sociologist Harman Rosa says is the answer to alienation. Resonance is the experience of unification, right? Of, of a return. He kind of gives the example. It is both, it is a almost, he gives like the example of, of a person, the subject experiencing the object, right? And the object answering back or vice versa. And one example he gives is the experience of uh, seeing great art, right? a great a, a song you love right um when you get home a kiss from your lover right yeah. all of a sudden that feeling of separation you had from your own self where you didn't feel like a human being suddenly with that with you know with a kiss with a bite of a of a really nice meal or a sip you know a hit of the joint a, you know a when uh, if you kneel down to prayer you know if you are a praying person Recording a podcast These... episode after 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Recording a podcast. That's right. That's right. You know, laughing and shooting the shit with your, with, with the boys, like with your homie. That, yeah. Right. That is that experience of kind of togetherness, that bringing together, right? Resonance can happen with the experience of great art. It can happen. Yeah. He, he also gives an example of like going on a hike. You know, I love going out into the woods, right? I'm not some like hardcore wilder dude. I don't claim that at all, but I like going on strolls in the woods, right? Yeah, 100%. If you've ever get Yeah, if you, you know, the experience of seeing like uh you get to the top of the hill or the mountain and looking out across the land and there's this moment where maybe for just a brief moment that distinction between the I and the thou, the subject and the object, yeah. Maybe doesn't dissolve entirely, but gets a little fuzzy, right? And it's in that experience of almost a, an annihilation of self, even where it's not like alienation, where you where that kind of annihilation of self comes from, like a lack of control, but a releasing of of, of self. Yeah, um, I guess two questions. Um, in his writings, does he talk much of, of it? Resonance existing in a dialectical relationship with alienation directly, and um, I guess. For you personally, um, do you think this is why people seek out like religion and like spirituality specifically to achieve that, like like you just said that that release of self of that annihilation of self? So, so to answer the first question, I don't know. I have only just started really kind of delving okay. into resonance. I've read um, there are some. I've read a few of his. Uh, papers in some of the journals, um, and I have a couple of uh, uh, books. Uh, strongly recommend the Rutledge uh, series on the Good Life on Buen Vivir. Um, he has some uh, writing, and and Rosa is involved in in the kind of the academic study of Buen Vivir as as it applies to politics and culture. Um, he has a very very long book that I am about to start reading uh, called Resonance, where he kind of treats the subject in a much fuller way. Um, I'm curious about that. Probably does, you know, like uh, any good uh, radical sociologist, he knows his marks, he knows his yeah. uh, his Frankfurt School. Um, so I, I'd be curious about that. Um, I imagine so. Um, I imagine he also sees it as an escape from the dialectic in a way, an escape okay. from the dialectic of alienation. Um, but you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to make up stuff that I don't know for sure. So I, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. Um, as for your second question, I mean, yeah, absolutely. 1000%. This yeah. is why people pursue any kind of behavior. And this is why I think capital and why pop culture is so intent on making consumer consumerism the answer to alienation where, you know, this resonance is, is fleeting, right? Resonance is not a static state, right? 
Same with happiness. Okay. Now, what does what does everything from new age like new age pop uh, figures to trad you know to tradcaths to liberal uh, uh, democrats to 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 businesses? What do they all kind of preach at the end of the day? You can achieve happiness. It's just going to cost you something. Yeah. You just have to swipe that credit card, right? They so they claim that happiness is a static state, right? Well, I've got news for people. Happiness is not a static state, okay? Happiness what what you people need to pursue, what we all need to pursue is happy moments, okay? Moments of resonance, right? And the grace to know when we're experiencing resonance, right? That's the that's the key, right? You cannot commodify resonance. That's the point of resonance. It cannot be commodified. Once you yeah. commodify it, alienation is involved, right? And alienation is opposed to resonance. This is why people like you, you know, you ask why people pursue religion. Exactly. That's absolutely the case. This is why a lot of like modern, like religious stuff is predicated on buying the new thing, right? Oh, I need to buy this or I need to buy that. Not just in religious faith, but you know, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, kind of own myself and all of us. Like, how many of us have a stack of books that we haven't read already? Then a new one comes out when we buy it, the new one, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. We don't have the patience for it, right? We need it, it. Resonance is is there's a patience at the heart of resonance because you can't force resonance. Resonance happens, right? You don't. You can't. We can't control when we're strolling through a museum. Uh, and we catch sight of like a, you know, maybe we're in an art museum and a particular painting just like catches us in a way. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, being a little bit more mundane, you know, you're, uh, I don't know, you're at the bar or something. And like someone who's just fucking drop dead gorgeous walks in, <laughs> you can't, you don't control that. Right. Mm -hmm. Those moments of like, holy shit. Right. Yeah. Um, we don't necessarily can control that. We can make ourselves, but what we can do and what, you know, I think what a lot of us are aiming for, what, what left-wingers are aiming for, all of us are aiming for, is to make opportunities for resonance possible, like, or, or more likely, right? Because in a fucked up capitalist world like this, in a world where we've allowed, you know, where our government, not us, where our government has allowed the plague to run unchecked, in a world where, you know, our own, uh, you know, our, our stolen wages go to fund bombings, in other countries, you know, it's impossible to experience resonance in that way, right? The aim of our politics isn't, you know, the aim of revolution is not a revolution, right? The aim of, of activism isn't more activism. The aim of it all is to get somewhere, right? And where is that? A, a place where we can experience resonance, where we can experience ourselves, where that sense of separation, whether a sense of separation with our own hearts, a separation from others, a separation from nature, especially in these days of climate of climate catastrophe, where those separation has been erased, right? So I think resonance is such a beautiful concept, and it's a way to kind of we can talk to people in such a way and explain to people that is what we want. You know, it's very easy to know what we hate, what we're against, what we despise, what we're trying to burn the fuck down, right? It's a lot harder to explain what we want, what we're after, what we want to encourage in others. And so I, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, resonance as the answer to alienation because alienation is the fundamental experience of life in modern capitalism in, in yeah. modern, in, in our modern world. Yeah. A, a, a thousand percent. And that, and that's why you see like the QAnons of the world, right? That's why you see like, yeah. like partisan politics take the form it has and like these like team sports types of like you know manifestations whatever because people don't have a sense of of themselves or what makes them happy or any connection to the actual material community around them it's to this abstract idea of like of, of a community you know what i mean because because we've we've lost all, all sense of like self-worth you know what i mean um yeah I, like it's 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 wild i tell you you know we we don't think that it's possible you know the, this we want you know the system tries to manufacture a hopelessness um tries to to prevent us from from experiencing resonance from 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 
having an opportunity to do so. And I think that if that that needs to be the aim of of of, pol- of, of politics of 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 living in many ways is is to kind of is to be able to experience that um, that sort of unification of ourselves. And and that gets me to what I was thinking. I was kind of losing my train of thought there for a second. But, you know, it's it's an attempt also to resolve, of, you know, the difficulty of the universe of universalism versus the particular. Right. So, like, yeah, yeah. you know, we ever since ever since, you know, the the postmodern turn, you know, we've you know, people want to get away from narr- grand narratives. People want to get away from like universal stories or universal messages. Well, mm-hmm. resonance is a very interesting thing because it kind of tries to strike the balance between the two because we've all had experiences of resonance or we've, we all know, take, take the concept of beauty, right? So what someone calls beautiful, you know, you take someone from Japan, someone from, you know, someone from Central Africa, someone from Paraguay and someone from Scotland, right? And you all show them a painting, right? Say two of them think it's ugly. The other two think it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. They think it's beautiful, right? Right. So you would think, oh, there's a contradiction there. So beauty, beauty is not universal or anything like that. Well, that's not the case. Taste is different. But if you were to talk to each person from these places, do you know what the idea of beauty is? They would all say yes. They all have a conception of of beauty. That's a universal thing, right? But it's not a universal that dissolves and takes away the particular manifestations of beauty that arise in their own context, right? And resonance has that similar kind of transcendental value to it. it. That transcendentality, is that a word? To it, right? You know? Whether or not, you know, for one person, resonance comes when they sit in a room meditating for 10 hours. For another person, resonance is a good fuck, right? That's fine, you know? Resonance is a universal, but its expression can be particular. So I think that's one another great, uh, a great quality of, of the concept of resonance, the experience of resonance, right? Yeah, 100%. I think my... Um... To your to a point you made previously, I think my sense of residence would be, um, like you say, in the utopia, working in a restaurant, having all the mats work <laughs> under me. That, that's going to be my residence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, that's such a fascinating concept, and it's definitely something. And it's and and it's funny, like it's it's one of those concepts that like we all know and experience, but yes. we might not be able to like articulate exactly what we're feeling because. We all, like you said, we all know what it is to punch a clock, work the day, punch off. And we are very aware of like the visceral difference in the feelings we have at those two points, right? How shit we feel when we clock on and how not even happiness, just relief once we clock yeah. off. You know what I mean? Like we're aware of that. Whether we're able to articulate that or not is, is, is different, but it's definitely something that needs to be explored and like talked about. You know what I mean? So that we can work proactively to achieve something. So not necessarily say, oh, this is shit. So we need to stop doing this. But like, this is also what we're working towards. You know what I mean? This right. is what we should be aiming for. You know what I mean? Um, which is, it could be a better fuel of like, of um, point of struggle. You know what I mean? Something to, to work yeah. towards instead of something to work against. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. playing a game to win instead of playing a game not to lose, you know? Um, Yo, yes. Well, well said. Well said, yeah. man. But yeah, um, I say we put a bow on it because we're getting kind of long, and I have a um, birthday crab boil lunch to get to. Um, nice, hell yeah! Yeah, it's all right. Crab bo- like American style crab boil, or like Cajun style crab boil in Melbourne, Australia. Like it's, and there can be resonance there, man. If hey, we, man, if I'm, we, simply, I'm telling you, simply leave your heart open to it. Yeah, I'm gonna get there. There's people gonna be speaking in like Cajun accents and shit. Nah, I oh, mean, I wouldn't man. put it. I wouldn't put it past them, but like, it probably won't happen. Um, oh god, I can't even imagine an Australian attempting a Cajun accent. Then nah. the, that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's bad, man. It's bad. Um, Australia's different, man. Australia is fucking different. Florida anyway, of the world, baby. Florida of the world, man. Um, but just just quickly, as my last point, like it's like when I was telling you, like off air in the chat, how like we're talking about like talking to zoomers about tiktok or whatever like yeah. because of tiktok people here are very aware that florida is the 
Australia of the world. Like, I think I was telling you, like, someone was asking me, like, oh, like, um, when you first moved here, was it difficult, blah, blah, blah. And I told them, like, yeah, look, in a lot of ways, it was, you know, it's very, very different. But in other ways, you know, it's pretty much the same. And without skipping a beat, it was like, oh, it's because you're from Florida. Like, earnestly, <laughs> unironically, like, I'm like, what does that have to fall? Oh, yeah, you know, you know, because, you know, the animals and, like, you know, like, just people are different and stuff like that. I'm like, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, yep, I guess right. you're not wrong. <laughs> Anyway, we'll wrap it up there. Um, this is a good little reintroduction thing. Try to hopefully, you know, get this, get back on the ball of um, doing what we do. And I'm getting back to our bread and butter. Um, like I said at the top, there are a lot of things going on in Latin America. Um, oh, yeah. From, from Colombia to Panama to Cuba to everything. Um, so look out for those stories. Um, and, yeah, hopefully, again, we can get our ship together. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being patient. If you're still with us, if you're still contributing. So, uh, Compo, Bless you. you know, thanks for hanging in there. We love you all. Um, but, yeah, so we'll put a bow on it there. We'll catch you next time. And thanks for tuning in. And like we always say, hasta la victoria siempre. Later, y'all.